Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Anthony Rowe is the owner-operator of Dharma Dharma Free Range. It is a venison distribution business in Australia. If you, if you don't know the system in Australia, it blew my mind that I actually realized that there was someone like this in Australia. I've talked to Jonas before at Wild Harvest and we sort of lost touch. But Anthony and Dharma Dharma have really gotten to the point where he is ethically harvesting fallow deer in Victoria. He is getting it inspected. He's getting it processed. And he's selling venison in the farmer's markets and selling it to high-end restaurants all across Australia. I was like, damn, this is, this is exactly it. This is the mechanism by which the game resource, the phenomenal, beautiful game resource that is abundant in Australia, can be utilized. And Anthony's figured it out. Well, so is Jonas, but Anthony, they were, we are speaking to today. So enjoy this podcast. I think you'll find it fascinating. I found it fascinating, regardless of where you're listening to this across the world. It is a beautiful thing to see that deer that are in overabundance in Australia are being sustainably managed, sustainably utilized, and being put into people's homes and restaurants through hunting. Amazing. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is. <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Mm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Most important question first. Yeah. You're a South African rugby fan now, aren't you? Not at all. Come on, man. Aussies, <laughs> you got kicked out real early. You had to support yeah. someone. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. But I wouldn't say I'm a, a South African fan. I was happy <laughs> for them. Happy for them once, once we were out of the mix. But yeah, no, I always, 
Wallaby Doy. Um, I unfortunately yeah, got a small young team that needs to rebuild right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, yeah, don't get there. Don't get there. We've got got a, a good wealth of rugby talent in Australia. Um, yeah, which as I grew, I grew up playing rugby union and and loved it. Loved the challenge of it and loved the the camaraderie of it as well. So it's a great sport. It's good to see it's still healthy throughout the world. Definitely. Yep. 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 Well, you know, it's funny that we're connecting today because I think I texted you earlier today or yesterday. Barry yeah. Howlett sent me a video. Yeah. Of um, Jeff Berman or Borman. Yep. He's yeah. an MP with the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party. And yep. they were having a venison game barbecue on the yep. rooftop of yep. Parliament House for did, all the yeah. MPs. Yeah. And in his speech, um, Jeff Borman was talking about Hunters for the Hungry program. And he was talking about the use of venison in Australia. And he mentioned the Seeker Foundation and their, their role in distributing venison in Lake Taupo. And yep. uh, Blood Origins has been involved in the Seeker Foundation project. And uh, we got shout, a, a, not a shout out, but a comp, you know, he, he, my name and Blood Origins name was in Jeff Borman's speech on the floor of the Victorian yep. Parliament in Australia, which is amazing. Yeah, and I, I did, I, I'm just going to grab his name again so I don't get it wrong. I did speak with um, the gentleman, um, Barry Howlett from Double SAA yesterday, because I'd only, I just did a little bit of Googling around what you'd mentioned, um, because I don't read a lot of the newspapers. And, um, and I did get to speak with uh, Barry around that. And yeah, he did. He mentioned when I said I was talking with you today, he went, yeah, I know, Robbie, good stuff. Awesome. Um, I just wanted to make sure that I, I was aware roughly of what was going on, because as I said, um, running a business, I don't get a lot of time to, to dive into the media as such. Um, social media is probably my only sit down of an evening or, or of the morning when I get up to just sort of touch base with what's happening in the world. But um. Yeah, it's um, it's good to see they. I believe they cooked up goat, venison, and and kangaroo, and um, their their drive is around very similar to my ethos of of sharing and utilising um a, a resource that's out there in the environment rather than just culling um to waste. Which the policy has been across the generations. Really, if culls happen, they need they just basically shoot to kill and leave. Um, which really doesn't, you know, I probably blame my mother making me eat everything that was put on my plate, but it doesn't sit well with me. Wasting, wasting a resource that could be used somewhere is definitely, um, important to me. Um, which is probably why I've gone from what I was doing in ambulance to, to this, um, new role. Yeah. Well, Anthony Rowe, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. I know that I'm humbled when, when we interacted. You're like, man, I'm a big fan of the podcast. I listen uh, to the podcast. Yeah. You know who Blood Origins is, so humbled on yep. my end. Um, yeah. Introduce yourself. What do you do? Who are you? Um, my name's Anthony Rowe. I've um, been a paramedic, an emergency paramedic in, in Victoria and New South Wales, Australia for 26, nearly 27 years, and uh, two years ago um, resigned that role after setting up a business called um, Dharma Dharma Free Range. Initially, I started it as feral hunting services, um, and then 
uh, realised that feral hunting wasn't as appetising to restaurants when I was trying to sell them venison. Um, so we changed it to the scientific name for European fallow deer, which is Dharma Dharma, um, because that's the deer that I target and that's what we sell for human consumption only. Um, I harvest through the Otway Ranges in southwest Victoria um, three to four nights a week. Um, I'm an, done my, I've done my game harvesting accreditation. Um, and then I on sell to restaurants, some of, you know, some of the top restaurants in Victoria and Australia, as well as, um, I sell at local farmers market to go public who come up to my lovely little van and, and every Saturday morning and every second Sunday, um, and buy produce for them to take home and cook at home. So that's sort of where I sit with it. Um, that's what I do. Um, and my, my family assist me with managing that, the business as well. My wife does all my social media and, um, and website development. She's a, a nurse and flash paramedic, um, who has, uh, multi-skilled as, as I've transitioned into this role. Yeah. Anthony, you were born and raised a hunter? Um, more by my uncle. I, I was born in Sydney area but my mother was from the country um so i spent a lot of my school holidays out on cousins farms and my uncles and cousins taught me to shoot um because we used to you know the the whole family tradition has always been you know um you either home kill they used to home kill their sheep and beef and and process them on farm but also um yeah the feral pest reduction side of things in terms of pigs that were an issue out in central west New South Wales at the time. Kangaroos would be would be shot and used for dog meat obviously when there was an overabundance of which at times when I was a kid I remember them being cows on crops. Um so they would manage the the root numbers in at that stage. Um but yeah they they developed a, a love for the, the outdoors for me and, and um this, as soon as we moved to Victoria, I uh, I got my gun license, so that was 13 years ago, and uh, started um, pursuing general hunting for my family, um, and and also home killing sheep and pigs at home to provide um, protein that I knew where it came from. It's always been important to me that connection with um, the food, and particularly around the animal welfare side of things. Um, it's just yeah, I guess I'm a bit of an empath that way. Um, well, I don't, well, why, why, why do you think you were that way? Why do you think you were an empath, animal welfare sort of thought process kind of guy um, as a hunter? I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. It's probably a bit, a bit of hard wiring of whether you call it genetics or upbringing. Um, I was the eldest of four boys, so I guess I was always looking out for my brothers. So that developed into, you know, probably an awareness of, of how other things and people are feeling, I guess which probably led me into ambulance and paramedicine as well. But, um, yeah, I just, I've never, I've never really enjoyed the concept of animals suffering. Um, you know, it, it's not something that I do. And I think it's a bit of a, a stigma that, that people wrongly attach to hunters. We, we've definitely, most of us are, are really more around the well-being of that animal that we're taking and we're taking it for a purpose. Um, not, there's an element, but not many of us go out there just to maim and hurt animals, that's for sure. Um, 
but yeah, that being said, the, that small percentage has done a lot of damage to the image of hunters in general too. Um, you know, they, and I do call it the one percenters that, that do the wrong thing. At Agreed. The time. Agreed. And I think that's um, the key, right? Is that in an industry like ours, in a community like ours, the, the bad apples are one percent. Yeah. But that one percent is something that gets unfortunately amplified through social media and you know, the, the normal media space. Uh yeah, into level Yeah. Much and higher that, that, levels than they should be. That yeah, and that that's media in general. I mean you look at your news your news broadcast on a daily basis, they will the most of the stories will be of a negative nature. Um that's what people watch the news for. It might be a feel good story at the end about a, a cute kitten or something but in general that's what sell papers and and news articles is what what misery has occurred in the world which is you know nowadays why i avoid general news, news broadcasts at all just for my yeah. health um, <laughs> yeah i think i think we do do a lot of damage just with one single act really mm-hmm. yeah anthony so you you're a paramedic you've been a paramedic for 20 odd years what makes you say, okay, I'm going to get into the whole commercial side of hunting? Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a complicated question, but I, I guess I'll well, try and Well, that's why we're on a down. podcast. We've got plenty of time to answer. Okay. All right. You've opened that Pandora. So um, I've always been an outdoors person. So when I was in New South Wales, I used to surf a lot. I didn't have hunting as an outlet. So I would go to the ocean um, for my mental health after work, if that makes sense, and my physical health. So I would go and have a surf for two hours after a night shift and before going home and going to bed. Um, nature, to me, is a, a revitalizer. Um, getting out and amongst stuff is, is just important to my well-being. I've always been outdoors. I've always loved being outside in the sun, the wind, or the rain. Um, it just, it's just part of me. Um, and then when I moved to Victoria, the surf was a long way away from where I live and the water's a lot colder down here. Um, so I got a bit <laughs> soft and then decided to go, um, bush. Uh, I would start, a friend introduced me to, to deer hunting. Um, and I realized I could bring meat home. Um, I could go and have a good workout in the bush. And, um, to be honest, hunting is a truly mindful experience. It's, um, you're aware of everything that's going on around you and oblivious to anything that's not. So you basically are able to switch off to what's going on on a daily basis, if that makes sense. Um, so you can sort of reduce, I, I used it as a reduction of my stress. So then in discussions with friends and other hunters, we, we saw over a 10 year period, the deer numbers in the Altways increasing significantly. Um, and I was becoming prolific in terms of I'd go down each week and come back with a deer um, that legally in the, in Victoria under the Game Management Act, I can't share um, with anyone other than people eating at my premises. That That's the law around it. Yeah, but that's uh, such a soft law, man. I, I, know, I, found, that, I found that law like a, a year ago and I was like, yeah. who's... Yeah. like?" It's, what law enforcement going to come to your house and go, uh, we're going to yeah. find you now because you yeah. gave it to your friends? Yeah. Um, and they do have that ability. I don't know that it's enforced. Um, I haven't heard of any cases of it being enforced. But I then 
had free, a freezer full of venison that I wanted. I thought, well, I'll donate it to a charity. So I contacted yeah. one of the local charities and, and was told point blank, they can't accept it unless it's been meat inspected, got by a professional game harvester and, um, and then processed by a prime safe accredited butcher and prime safe are the, over the governing body for, um, meat, um, production in Victoria. So they're, they're I guess the. You know the health department for our meat side of production. Um, so there's no they, way that a charity, a food bank, currently in Victoria, yeah, any hunter on the landscape in Victoria could say, "I'm going to kill a deer. I'm going to take. I'm going to clean it. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to give it to the food bank. I'm even going to grind it. I'll grind it. I'll make yep. hamburger yep. meat. Yep. I'm going to give it to a homeless shelter that is going to yep. feed homeless people. Yeah, that's illegal in Victoria. As it stands now, yeah, unless unless you uh, have done what I'm, I'm I've done in terms of being um, getting the game harvesters accreditation, um, and then you get your your vehicle, your game harvesting vehicle signed off by Prime Safe and accredited. Um, I ha also okay, have also have. Hold on, hold on. Let's let's yeah. take a step back. Let's take a step yep. back. Okay, sure. so you you're finishing your paramedics. You get out. Yep. You're like, okay, I've got a freezer full of meat. I can't donate it. Yeah. And so in your mind, do you think, how can I get this meat into people's hands? That that was, yeah, conversations that I had. And um, a good friend who'd come out on a recreational hunt with me um, is also a chef locally. And, and he said, Rowie, I want to get this on the menu. How, how can we go about it? And I... I just said, give me six months, jokingly, to, to, to go down that rabbit hole, and here I am. Um, what he planted a seed, I suppose, of how can we get this into mainstream um, restaurants and, and people's fridges at home? Because it, we've been living on it as a family for well over 10 years, probably closer to 15 years, and, and it's just good meat. Like, it's... But this, the that's way the thing. It's like the, the, the Australian landscape. Yeah. The amount of game meat on the landscape is ludicrous. It is. And and we have the ability here, as opposed to you guys in the state, we can shoot all year round with no bag limit, except for one species of deer, and that's the hog deer, which they do a ballot for. And that's because we've got a, a population of hog deer that are, are probably the healthiest population in the world so they're actually preserved is that on the island yeah snake island and blonde bay i believe i've never never been able to get into the ballot to get there to have a look but um yeah i've heard good things about them um and my understanding of it is that it's balloted because as although they are an introduced species to australia um the population from where they come from is waning so they're actually keeping it as a, a reserve bank so to speak, and yeah, protecting yeah, yeah. it that way. Okay, so, so guess, you start yeah. this process, six months, you're like, all right, so talk me through what do you need to do in Australia yeah. to be able to get meat into someone's hands? Um, yeah, I did an online course, which is the Game Harvesters Accreditation, um, through a, a company, um, which you pay, you pay for that accreditation and training. Um, it's not a complicated course, but it's it, you know it's a lot around the legislation and, and food 
sanita- sanitary standards and that sort of stuff. Um, okay. And then go out um, with other accredited game harvesters to get signed off. So they witness you um, doing a field dressing, so to speak. So the animals get brain shot. They get hung on the side of your vehicle and they have the gastrointestinal tract removed there. Then the pluck or the heart, liver, lungs, kidneys remain with the animals for the meat inspectors. So they leave, keep, we keep the skin on, we leave their organs intact, just remove the gastrointestinal tract and we take them to a So a everything is removed and you put the heart, liver, what else back in? The heart, liver, lungs, kidneys, they attach. So you actually, there's a special cut as you, you remove the, the mouth to bum, basically, um, that yep. comes out. And then the heart, liver, lungs, kidneys, you cut the diaphragm and you pull it up and sit it out onto the chest of the animal. So that allows the carcass to cool adequately and you got to get it within a chiller, within the thought, uh, time frame. Um, but those organs remain there for the meat inspectors to have a look at the pest load um, and any anomalies as well. Um, and I've taken just over 900 animals in the two years so far and I've had two fail on meat inspection not because of pest load um, I've never seen any form of, of pest load in the, the kidneys or the, or the liver um, but they were due to um, one was due to jaundice and the other one had um, a malformed liver so probably a cancer yeah. liver yeah. Um, <laughs> which again out of 900 animals that's a fairly low percentage of having significant anomalies of yeah. any sort. So, so they you do the they... online course. You yep. do, you then go out with accredited harvesters. Yep. Get they sign off. off. They sign off on things. Then what's next? Um, my vehicle got built and set up to the specifications of PrimeSafe and got inspected. Um, and then got. What are those get... specifications? Um, it has to be galvanized dip or stainless steel. I opted for stainless steel because it's something I can then move from what, one What needs to be stainless steel? The bed? Oh, I don't know if you, anyone's ever seen a, a kangaroo shooting rack. So the whole, it has um, pelvic pins and bars. So I, ca- I can carry up to 24 animal carcasses on the back of my truck. Not that I ever have a night that good, but um, I'm set it up so I could also use it for kangaroo harvesting if required. Um, so you have the whole frame set up for those bars to be able to put on and off. Um, they're set spacings between each animal um, and you've got to have your hand sanitation. So water, um, hand soap and knife sanitation all in within reach of your processing area. Um, so there's, there's a few sort of, they PrimeSafe outline those specs and, and where's game harvesters then build something that complies with that, get it inspected and go from there. What about the shooting? You would, I would have expected you to have have to go through a very rigorous shooting that, course. That is part of it. Your yeah. head shooting things. Yeah. So you, we, the part of that accreditation is a, an accuracy shooting accuracy test that you need to go to um, one of the ranges, an accredited range, and have the field officer sign off on you hitting. I think it's a seventy millimeter, or it might be less. Um, target with five rounds so all five have to be inside that circle um from 100 yards i believe it was 70 or 100 yards um so it's yeah it's sharp shooting i guess 
Um, yeah, for sure. It has to be but shot. But you shooting. have that option. You have the option of, of shooting off a bench rest or shooting prone or shooting off sticks or shooting, you know, I, I was able to, to do mine off the stick that I shoot off. Um, that's just how I shoot in the field. So I wanted to test myself that way. Um, but what yeah, are you shooting? definitely, definitely. Um, the accuracy component is, is important. Um, the, the side of that that I do like, and it's probably worth something something that people don't realize is the joy of head shooting is we we either hit or miss um so if i miss the animal you know 90 percent of the time runs away um occasionally you might do a jaw hit like so you hit just below the brain um at which point the the animal hangs their head and i get a quick follow-up shot so that that's as much as the suffering that happens for the animal um whereas you know and i, I get shooting center body mass um the reason we don't do that is is meat wastage and contamination, um, and and also the the propensity for that animal to then run away. Like it's 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 a beautiful thing, and and this isn't a bloodthirsty thing. It's a beautiful thing to watch an animal standing there grazing or looking around, and then just drop. That's it. Like that's as as, as peaceful a death as I can give that animal, um, and that to me is what you know makes. That's the skill component that I enjoy the most, I guess, is, is, is making it as as peaceful for that animal. Um, they're living their best life. They're still chewing on great food that they're picking out in the wild, and then they're, they're on the ground finished, and that's it. They've, they've, their round's over, but they they haven't been hit in the chest, run off bleeding, and then, you know, suffering and struggling for life for any period of time. Um, so, Anthony, yeah. what what is your what are you using? Calibre? Uh, I use a two four three. Um, that's the minimum caliber. Um, and to be honest, it's overkill, uh, in terms of the size of the, the grain of shooting, which is an 80 grain, um, causes significant damage to the head, um, as you'd imagine, and then fragment beyond. I would love to be able to use smaller, but legally I'm not allowed. Um, and you're shooting thermals, right? By shooting thermal, at night? Yeah. Yeah. Thermal monocular. To what, so I, I use a spot and stalk. I don't spotlight. I spot, spot. And stalk. Uh, I walk tracks. I walk arm edges with a thermal, and then have the thermal scope on my rifle. Um, and I, I also I carry a, a spare rifle in case I have thermal failure. In case the joy of technology. And I'm not, I'm an old man. I don't don't cope well with technology. So if it plays up, I put it away in the truck and I get the other one out. Um, so yeah, there's there's obviously you know when we're talking about setting up the business, there's been significant costs involved in doing all of that as well. Um, Does Prime Safe not require you to head shoot? Yeah, they do. Yeah, Prime Safe do. Yeah. So you That's... cannot shoot body. You have no. to shoot head. No, 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 no. Because of that food contamination aspect, and and you know you're introducing bacteria to the the meat of where your your fragment and bullet um, path progresses you know and and from a purely business point of view i lose at least one shoulder um which i can't then on sell for the food so um yeah it's uh, the humane aspect is definitely the the main thing but also that food food um safety okay aspect yeah so let's just so we you've got the accreditation prime safe has has certified your vehicle you are now good to go yeah uh, i am yeah as long as I'm within range of a a meat inspection point that is certified to inspect game meat. 
So I'm lucky in that I live in the southwest of Victoria and there's, there's a facility at Camperdown, which is 45 minutes from my home and 45 minutes to an hour from where I, my main hunting ground is, the Otway Ranges. Um, there's only two other points in Victoria. There's only one other point in Victoria with way over on the east of the state at Bairnsdale. So unless you're a shooter that lives in proximity of those points, Harvesting deer to do what I do, the way I do it, is, is not really logistically possible. So, so is there a time frame that you have to get the meat to the yeah. certifier? Yeah. So through the day, you have to, from time of death to time at the chiller is two hours. That's through the day. Overnight, I just have to have it there by sunrise. So because there's no Who has the chiller? Do you have the chiller or do they have I, the chiller? I have, a, I have a certified chiller at home, yeah. So I can okay. then hang them, the animals for a week. Um, early days, I didn't have that chiller and I used to take them straight to the processor and they would hang them for a period for me. Yeah. Where um, does the meat certifier come in? It, he's at the, um, it's called um, Castle Estate. He's a meat inspector at an abattoir over in near Camperdown. Um, so, oh, oh, okay. So you so can actually store, you would store a bunch of carcasses yeah. in your chiller, get to a point where you've got yeah. 12 carcasses, 20 Each carcasses. Week. Okay. Yeah. Now yeah. I'm going to the processor and yeah. the meat inspectors at the processor. Yeah. yeah. Every week I run the number of animals I need to get processed. I run them across to the meat inspection point. And then I've got a separate butcher who goes across and picks them up and cuts them to my specifications, yeah, to my orders. Yeah. So how does the inspector know when you got the carcasses in the chiller? I tag. Each animal gets tagged with the location and the date of harvest. And I, I fill out a game harvest form, declaration form, which is prime safe accredited stuff as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's, there's yeah, that's, again, all of that is part of the, the training. They, they take you through those um, requirements and, and legislation around that. Um, so you process the meat, then the meat yeah. comes out, it's packaged. Does it say yep. Dharma, Dharma, free range? It it's does. got your sticker on it. It's yep. got everything, right? Yeah. And, and, the and the prime safe accreditation number of the butchers that have processed it. So they, there's a barcode or a, a, a license number for each of the butcher processing plants. Um, that's on there as a list of ingredients. If, if there's any, like my, we get sausages and burgers made up that, that have other ingredients. Um, and then, yeah, but the, your prime meat cut just have the cut listed. And, um, yeah, and the weight. Um, and we set our prices on that for retail sales, like for my market sales and that sort of stuff as well. So that all goes on on the sticker. Um, the, the animals all cry back as well. So, yeah. And then it goes to, you've got obviously a number of restaurants that are your yeah. clients. Yeah. I, I service it up. Over the last two years, we've been supplying up the 17 restaurants, but usually there might be four or five each week. So I've had 17 different restaurants on our book, um, ranging from some of the top ones in Australia to, to um, even small, smaller shop outlets to, uh, to make cook up with our product as well. So a whole range. It, it's pretty much, it, it, I like to look at it as a bit of a, it's a not, it doesn't have social boundaries. Yes, there is that elite level restaurant that are using it um, significantly, but there's also the majority of my meat is going to Joe Public, which is really nice. 
Um, and the Joe Public beat is that farmers market. Yep. Um, yep. Farmers market. So I'm selling. I'm clearing anywhere from you know sixty to one hundred and twenty kilos a week um, through leg stakes. There must be a huge demand for it. It's building. It's been a, a gradual build, Robbie. Um, early days, I was a bit of a novelty at the market. People are going, like, what, what is this? Because we also can, we use 100% of the animal that we can. We get all the skins tanned, and I try and on-sell those. And if we've got too many, I just sell them to the tannery, and he uses them and on-sells them himself. Um, so I'll have skins hanging at the market. So I have tasters out for people to, to try, because venison's just, it's not your stock standard meat. So people Yeah, but the, the had... whole locavore movement, the whole organic yeah. movement, you must have seen over the last two years that I, I would have assumed that would be increasing in Australia. It is. Yeah, definitely. And, and as awareness that I'm a, our business is around um, a lot of the, the, just the community that I'm going to in Torquay and, and South Geelong or Geelong area. There's more and more people coming out of the woodwork that are interested and, and wanting to try it and enjoying the ethics behind it. Um, last week, I had a guy and I was talking to him about the cuts of meat and whatnot, and he, he bought a cut, and he said, uh, I, I just want to let you know um, I'm a vegan. And I went, well, that's good. I, I'm, I'm excited for you. He said, but, but I need to... I need to eat, and this is the most ethical. This will be the only meat I'll oh, eat. That's the thing. You're, dude, you're nailing it, man. The, yeah. I, I say it all the time. Yeah. If you look at a vegan philosophy of yeah. animal welfare, yeah. we as hunters, the meat that you have in that farmer's market is as close to their lifestyle as it possibly can get. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I do... You know, I take that as a pat on the back. I'm, I'm sure there's an element of the vegan community that, that frown on what I'm doing, um, and that's their choice. I, you know, I, I choose to to harvest my meat the way we do, and and with the my, my ethics, I, I agree with the way I'm doing it. Um, and but other than that, you know, it, it's it's a nice pat on the back to have, and we have sold to a lot of vegetarians too that that are sort of go, this will be the only meat I'll eat because of the backstory behind it, um, the way it's harvested and, and, you know, the way it's lived its life. Um, and that, that is nice. It's, it's, you know, it's definitely heartening to see that, um, aspects of those communities are, are open to hunting as well. You know, the ethos of hunting is, is strong, I think. Um, and, and sort of ticks their boxes as well. It's, it's interesting. How many people are doing what you're doing, Anthony? Um, Specifically harvesting and then on selling, I'm not aware of any others at the moment in Victoria. There's there's other businesses throughout Australia that have a similar model, but they're not the harvesters. They're not harvest to customers. So, you know, I'm, I'm chatting. I'm sitting outside a restaurant that I've just delivered to at the moment. Um, I'm, I'm touching base with the guys that are cooking this on a, as, as close to a weekly basis as possible. Um, discussing you know they know then where where it's coming from discussing potential cuts they want later and that sort of stuff but also the the touching base with people at the market is important to for me um and and i think to the people buying it so it, it gives them that connectedness with society in general we have a huge disconnect between where our food comes from and, and it you know um i think that's the biggest issue in terms of why people just 
don't uh, in in shock when they hear that we've killed animals. You know, like I have kids come up, and I love the honesty of children at the markets, and they go, you know, the antlers are sitting on the table, and they're bits of meat, and they go, "How did you get that?" And I go, "I I had to shoot it." And, you know, because in society nowadays, that's just not the norm. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. particularly in Australia, no, none of us carry guns around the streets like you guys get the right to. Um, but <laughs> the concept of someone owning a gun is a scary thing in Australian society um, when it really shouldn't be. You know, it's, a, a gun is a tool for a job. Um, and I think, unfortunately, that disconnect of all of that gives us a jaded view in, of the world and, and what needs to happen in anything, really. You know, the steps mm-hmm. involved in that meat ending up in that supermarket still involve an animal dying. But um, Man, I could, do- I could just imagine, and it's probably just a lack of awareness at this point, that you, sh- you should be, you shouldn't be able to supply the demand that you get from restaurants alone uh, in Australia. Yeah, it- Oh, it, it's building. Yeah, I, th- I there's definitely a market. If there's any young blokes out there that, that want to go down this path, I have said it before. Um, I'm happy to a, a, attempt to assist them. It's not an easy path, um, but I think there's definitely a demand out there and there's a growing demand. Look, I'm only, as I said, servicing 14 to 17 different restaurants. That's in a, you know, that's a flat stick. And I'm... Are you, su- are you servicing any in Melbourne? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We've got a, a couple in Melbourne, um, a couple up in the north. I'm on my way up to Castle Maine um, with, with some deliveries for Castle Maine, so central Victoria, um, and some southwest towards Warrnambool, and uh, quite a few in Geelong and Birrigoa area as well. So um, two of my main ones that, that have been with us from day go uh, have been Bray Restaurant and Moonar Restaurant in the sort of surf coast and Birragara area close to home. Um, their, their support's been unreal for us as a business and, and, you know, the fact that they're such well-regarded, you know, three hats and two hat restaurant. Um, one was Regional Restaurant of the Year last year in Victoria, and the other one that we supply, Shanti, was Regional Restaurant of the Year this year. So we're sort of, we, and they're sharing our, our brand as well. So that, it's, it's nice. It's getting us out there a little bit, which helps um, the demand, uh, helps me clear 10 to 15 animals a week. Um, but there's definitely, there's got to be more demand out there. It's just an awareness thing amongst the yeah, kids yeah. Um, that, that I think, and where you know, did you, when you say you, you take them off ot, the Otter range, the Ottawa range? Ot, Otways, O-T-W-A-Y-S, the Otway ranges, yeah, which are, the Great Ocean Road, everyone knows, um, is a, a historic part of Victoria. Um, the, the ranges and bushland through there are, um, a lot of it is national parks, state forests and farmland and plantations. I've got a plantation group that have let me on. They own a good third of the old way ranges. So they let me on to cleared and recently replanted pine, uh, not pine, sorry, blue gum plantations um, as a contractor as part of their pest management. Um, and that's been invaluable to us as a business. Um, the the Otway, um, also I've been doing a little bit of work, contract work with Park Victoria, which is a first I, that I'm aware of where we are able to harvest 
in what is the deer management program. So we're actually taking animals that we choose to control for Parks Victoria, we're actually taking them for human consumption. Um, it's amazing. It's great. It is it's, an it's incredible story forward. in Australia, Anthony. It's a huge step forward. Yeah. Um, it's lovely to see. It's great to work with them. Hopefully I can do more of it because, as I said, the Otway Ranges are full of national parks. They're full of fallow deer and red deer, but I, you know, I don't focus on the red deer at all. They're just not a prolific, as prolific. But um, the, the fallow deer are in their thousands. Their population growth is about 30% per year. They have no, no predators whatsoever. Yeah. But, um, they're thriving down there. They're, they're living their best life. The numbers are increasing. You know? So for every thousand, we've got an extra 300 next year. And then that, that 1,300 goes to 16 plus. I, I'm not a mathematician, obviously, but, you know, <laughs> those numbers, I'm, a, I'm only taking four to 500 a year, probably 500 this year. Um, I'm not scratching the surface. Um, and, and, you know, I appreciate hunters go, well, we could get out there and get more. And, and I, I agree, but you won't be taking 15 a week either, um, you know, because you haven't got that distribution of it. That's where... Um, MP Bowman, Bowman's um, suggestion is great. I think there's a lot of red tape to get through and a lot more red tape will be thrown at it, unfortunately, because I know how government departments work. Um, I think baby steps, you know, we, we, it will, we need to keep chipping away at it. We need to keep positive about the fight to get it happening. Um, but I don't think we'll be seeing any huge changes in the next five years, to be honest. I yeah, hope, yeah. Hopefully we yeah. can start to get it progressing. But, yeah. um, you know, I'm a bit more of a realist that way. I've seen how government cogs turn and, and the amount of resistance that's there at the moment for it as well. Um, well I heard one comment from one MP who, you know, with all due respect, seems a bit misinformed, who just said, don't shoot surplus. But the, the government has a deer management program. So all, we, all MP Borman's suggesting is that we utilise those animals rather than shooting them to waste. It's yep. not shooting surplus. It's not hunters shooting surplus. It is a government action to cull these deer. So let's just it almost sounds like It almost sounds like what Borman needs to create based on what the, the ground that you have broken. Yeah. Is it almost as if, and I, I don't want to put it on an ADA, but you, you need an organization that's going to take this on as an, as an organization, Hunters for the Hungry. Yep. They're going to get accredited. Yep. As harvesters, they're going to get vehicles accredited yep. by, by PrimeSafe, and that's yep. their job. They're going to go yeah. out, they're going to take deer out, they're going to get it stamped, they're going to get it processed to get it to a point. And then they're going to give it to food banks. Yeah. And that's, that's where the red tape will occur, Robbie. Like at the moment, the government does use recreational shooters to go out and help with culling programs. Like volunteers will go out and help shoot these deer. Um, but they're all chest shots. They're all um, then left to waste at this point in time. And what, what Mr. Borman's um, suggesting is that they get these people accredited with the skill set for the game harvesters skill set. Um, and I think that's great, but the logistics behind doing that on mass, uh, 
are not ideal. Like it took me. Yeah, I don't think it needs to be en masse. I think it needs. Yeah. I think it needs an organization. It needs half a dozen individuals, half yep. a dozen volunteers. Yeah. It needs to be small to start with, but it just needs to be proven. The model needs to be proven. Yeah. 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 And it'll grow with momentum then. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying, but um, it. Yeah. It. I don't claim to be an expert in those organizational areas at all. And that's where I sort of, you know, why I tried to talk with the guys yesterday, just to get informed as to what their motivation or what their plans are with it. Um, but it sounds like they want to be able to utilize um, hunters and obviously with a skill set that they would have to assess and then use them so that they can then brain shoot, have, have killers out there, have processes out there that can, you know, strip the animal cleanly and in a way that is suitable for human consumption. Just to put it in perspective, though, too, to put the cost to process an animal for human consumption, um, so my my weekly costs are a significant amount, you know, to the business um, for processing. So you, you would average out about $5 per kilo of what then is put out to the customer. If even that, or, even or if you even if you just went straight hamburger meat, you think it would still yep. be five dollars a kilo yep. processed? Well, yeah. If you look at your transport costs, your refrigeration costs, um, fuel, all that sort of oh, stuff, okay, like, okay, as an okay. overall. So let's say you know, and that's without the training costs of those individuals as well. So you know, if you break it down into a business model, that meat that's landing in you know someone who needs it, and and I'm all like this. There's a component of every week of my harvest that goes to charity. Like that was a big part of why I set up to to be able to give it so it goes. But every kilo that is put onto people's plate, in, you're looking at at least five bucks a kilo, five dollars Australian dollars a kilo. So that you know that's a cost that the government is going to be looking at wearing. So that's why you get that resistance because you know you're then talking the number of kilos that these people would be talking about. Yeah, but think about like how much money, here's yeah. where I come at it. Yeah. How much money does Australia pay right now Yeah. to helicopter cull? Oh, I, I'd hate to think. Yeah, I, I don't know. I would say I would garner $50 a kilo, if not yeah. more. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, again, it's not an area. In terms area of helicopter costs, right? In terms of helicopter yeah. costs. Yeah. Then say, okay, we're going to take a percent of what you cull, yeah, or 10% of what you cull, and yep. transfer it to Hunters for the Hunger Program, mm. and give us $5 a kilo yep. from the government to help us do that. Cha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, there's people out there a lot smarter, you know, and the actuarials can break all that down and, and work it out. Um. I guess I'm putting it up there as in my business model that 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 if I, when I hear the proposal, that's what I sort of think. Well, you yeah, know, how sure. much is that going to cost per person to feed and, and that sort of stuff? I mate, it has credit. I I love the concept of, and it it's why I started what I'm doing is to try and get this good meat source out to the public who wouldn't normally access it, but. You know, the resistance is always going to come from government on based on cost and they'll have a cheaper option. And the other thing that has just popped in while you were talking about helicopter culling, um, that I would, I'm going to use this platform. 
I hate the concept of bait. And the minute bait start getting caught, thrown around in the conversation, which I'm aware they have started down in South Australia, I believe, um, I'm going to start rattling cages because I, I, it's just cruel, wasteful and inhumane. And it will threaten our, our native species. The wedge-tailed eagles will eat their carrion. They eat carrion. They, they will eat the carcasses. They will be killed by, by bait. Um, you know, I don't... 1080 is the worst. You know, you talk to the guys in New Zealand about what happened once 1080s broadcast through their ecosystem. It devastated their bird populations and other, other native species. So yeah. um, it's, it's my, my real pet hate that we would even entertain it based on cost. Um, and unfortunately, governments do run on cost. So don't be surprised <laughs> if it starts entering this space a lot more around how we're going to control deer. Um, and if it does, mate, I'll be I'll be getting in touch with you to try and have have Hell a chance yeah, to talk sure. further. Yeah. Well, look, man, I am I am blessed to to know you now. I'm I am I love your story. I love what you're doing. Oh, thank you. you. Can hear it from my questions, man. I'm yeah. like I'm all in. Like I love yeah. this idea, especially in Australia. Oh, so, yeah. Look. It, it it just seemed like a logical pro, pro, progression for me. Like it, I'm, I've sort of scratched my head as to why other people haven't gone down this path yet. Um, there are financial constraints with it and being a, an older person and, and being a little bit more financially secure, I've been able to to um, invest into the business, but it, it's it's paying me back. So, you know, it's, you won't you won't ever make a fortune out of it, but if it's something you're passionate about, I'd encourage any young bloke or older bloke to to try and get out there and get involved in it because you know there's definitely a market for it. Um, I would love to see more game meat processing plants throughout Australia, not just Victoria, but you know an ability for for harvesters to be able to harvest these deer would would help the problem a lot more. You know, for us Absolutely. to get it on people's plate. From yeah. me is do you, can any do you know maybe you do or maybe you don't the idea of the harvesting accreditation is it available for every state in Australia? Yeah, yeah, yeah you can you can do it online. You just apply um, to there's certain um, training organisations um, that that run the run the the the, product, the course because it's a structured Australian standard course. It has set outlines and guidelines um, and modules. Um, and it, it probably took me about three months of doing it because you submit a module that goes away and you wait for it to get marked and then you progress to the next module, if that makes sense. Um, you probably could fast track it and finish it over, say, a six-week period, but it does take a little bit of time. Um, and that was while I was still working full-time, obviously, with Ambulance. So... Um, it 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 is available across Australia. Yes, it, it's an Australian standard um, that you know has to be met to be able to go out and be a game harvester. And there um, are meat inspectors all over Australia too. Not enough. Not enough. With the, the game meat harvesting is a separate license to um, just meat inspectors. So the game meat lot inspector is another accreditation. For, I'm not sure why. I'm not sure oh, why. Oh, hold game on. Meat... So what you're saying is. The processor, maybe, let me make sure I've got this straight in my brain, yeah. okay? Yeah, yeah. The processor that you take your meat to, yeah. 
he is accredited by Swift to uh, inspect prime site. Prime site, sorry, to inspect the meat. Yeah, yeah, that's the the meat inspection point. So I take it there's only two meat inspection points that can do game meat in Victoria at the moment. So the the meat inspector is accredited in game meat inspection, so he inspects that. Then my butcher, who's an accredited butcher, comes over, collects the meat, and processes it for me. Yeah. Is the inspector a government employee or someone that has like is like you? That is private. That decided to go through the accreditation process. Yeah, they are private. Yeah, they're not. Well, they, fuck. Why are they not more of them? Uh, I don't. I don't know the answer to that, Robbie. <laughs> I wish I did. Um, I would. I mean, I'm actively encouraging people to to, to get their Shit. game. Do you know what we're going to do with Blood Origins Australia? We're going to freaking pay people to become meat <laughs> inspectors. So if you honestly, Robbie, if you contacted a lot of the abattoirs in in Victoria and Australia and asked them why they don't have game meat inspection available, mate, that that might be a good starting point. I'm not sure what the restrictions are as to why it's more difficult to get or why it's different to get. Because if you're a meat inspector, you should be able to inspect a cow or a deer. Like it, their their anatomy is not that different. But All you right, know. That, I got my marching orders. I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm yeah. going to do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's not like you've got much to work on. <laughs> no, I don't have anything on my plates nah. at all. No, no. Yep. You take it easy. You're a bit like me. Not much, not much happening. Anthony, you're the man. I really appreciate the conversation. Thank you for all coming right. to us from the truck. I thoroughly nah, enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Uh, it, I, I honestly blew me away when I got the message from you that you were keen to talk. Um, I appreciate and I will plug Landline for, for running the story on me, the ABC network, Australian broadcasters. Yeah, that was amazing. Story, which was, it was done really well. Clint did an awesome job with of getting the story across. Um, and I'm glad that someone highlighted it to you, um, who I was. Um, and I, he makes an amazing visual target, the, the gentleman that contacted you. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's it's been been a, a bit of a um, blast for me too to be involved, Robbie. So yeah, I have been literally listening to your podcast for the five years you've been going and, and loving well, it. Well, we've it's, got it's I've got great. bigger plans for you, and I'll tell you them when I get off this when I get off the oh. podcast. All right, yeah, no, all good, and I hope everyone's enjoyed the chat. Thank you, thanks, Anthony. Well, that's it for today. Appreciate you listening as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. Oh, that's awesome! Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. For in the Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky.